0: Okay. Well, everybody, this is a special holiday edition of Mental Health Comedy. I'm obviously on vacation mentally. We've had a lot of uh, a lot of issues, but we're here now and we're excited for you because I'm Ed Krasick. your co-host. Along with me is my partner, Jennifer Kalari, coming up shortly. Jennifer is a child and family therapist with a great organization called ConnectedParenting.com. So there's no need to worry. You're in good hands. With Jennifer, not with me so much, but with her, you are in good hands. This is the show where comics and entertainers talk about, learn about, and practice mental health and resilience skills. We all need them. We especially need them these days. It's also the only show that comes with a sliding scale emotionally. It's the only podcast with a sliding scale emotionally. It's the only podcast that has no deductible. There is absolutely no deductible here. You're covered. I have good insurance, I have uncovered California, which is a wonderful insurance that you'll hear a lot about. What we're gonna do on today's show, we have a very special guest, we're very lucky to have a terrific actress, world-class improviser, second city Chicago trained, comes from a family of Dominican bridal gown seamstresses. Her mom, I believe, which maybe we can get her to do, because her her mom is a very fascinating person, but Rose Abdu, also known as Rosemarie Matta is here. And Rose was on the Gilmore Girls for many years, is in a new Kristen Wiig movie that's coming out uh, in the George Clooney movie, Good Night and Good Luck, voice of several characters, Madagascar, Transylvania, Dinner with Friends, forget it. She's got a lot of credits is what I'm trying to say. Rose Abdu joining us in just a minute. I always like to welcome people to the show no matter what emotional state you're in. And so we now have emotional shout outs for you. If the movie that best describes your emotional state is Apocalypse Now, welcome. If you're not a glass half empty or half full person and you don't even see a glass, welcome. If you list isolation under the other skills on your resume section, welcome. If what you tell yourself mentally could be published as a ransom note, welcome. If you decided to mail yourself in to get your vote counted, welcome. If you look in the mirror and respond with the words, what are you looking at? Welcome. And if you're guilty and you know it, clap your hands. And if you're exhausted by people on the internet who claim they want to help you transform your life for just $97 today, welcome. If you launched a teeth whitening business at a time when the world should be wearing masks, welcome. If you're exhausted and disgusted by, well, I won't say that. If you believe that you can change the world until you watch CNN, welcome. And if it's easier for you to ask somebody for Yelp than to ask somebody for help, welcome. And if you feel like beating yourself up even now, welcome. There's always a place for you right here on Mental Health Comedy with Ed Krasnick and Jennifer Kolari. We're on Twitter now. You can find us Mental Health Comedy on Twitter. And therefore, we're gonna do a couple tweets here from something that I like to call Edline Hollywood. These are headlines on Twitter that I want to share with you. Because of the current administration, the White House is to add a casino that loses money. (laughs) Okay. Because of what America is going through, the world is going through, Good Morning, I'm Scared has been renewed for another season. Netflix has developed a new app within itself that actually... Let's you binge watch your entire life history in 14 minutes. Your life will literally flash before your eyes. That's Netflix. The NRA Music Channel has bowed with Annie Get Your Gun. The Emotional Food Network bows with a new beach movie called How to Stuff a Wild Emotion. Finally, the new Psychotherapy Channel bows with Emotional Disaster Week. And please enjoy the New Orleans Jazz Procedural, Dr. John Madison Woman. (laughs) My God, what an old reference. We're gonna move along here. Now, we have a lot to talk about. We always talk about, you know, what's going on uh, emotionally. Certainly we all know that we're dealing with a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety in the country right now. You know, one of the biggest things, I'm gonna bring in Jennifer Kalari now. Jennifer, fatigue. Mental and physical fatigue, this is what I'm feeling today. I'm on a supplement. I feel like I'm in the movie Clockwork Orange. How do you take care of yourself when you are completely drained, which I think most of the world is right now?
1: First of all, very good question. But, but there's something I, I wanna say first, and that when, when you are anxious, people don't realize this about anxiety, it is completely and utterly exhausting. It is so tiring to be anxious, the amount of energy that it takes in your body is extraordinary, and people don't actually realize how much of that is anxiety-related. So that's the first thing I just want to mention. And then the other is really I mean, self-care is huge, right? And we we need to take that time. We need to you know have moments where we just still and we do things to take care of ourselves. You know, Ed, we've talked about this on the show. You know, going for walks, spending time with friends, creating rituals like having a bath or putting beautiful candles around at night, whatever little things you can do. The brain loves rituals and it loves routines. So that can be very calming and very soothing. But the biggest thing is controlling what you think about and what you talk about because that's actually fueling the problem. So if all day long you're talking about how terrible everything is, your body's gonna think you're in a much more immediate situation than you actually are and you're keeping those cortisol levels high and those adrenaline levels high which is making you completely exhausted.
0: So this is really watch what you think. This is really watch watch and observe what you think, be aware of what you're telling yourself. And really, if you are exhausted, maybe a good thing to do is rest. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a good thing. And then you don't have to beat yourself up about it. You could take a rest. You could take a mental vacation, it could take you 20 seconds. You could rest for 20 seconds. Whatever it is that you do, I always find that when I'm, when I'm really tired, I push myself harder and I don't think that works that well.
1: Well, it's hard because a lot of people will use distraction and just dive into something so they don't have to be in their own head, right? Which which might help you with the thoughts that you're thinking because you're so busy, you can't think, but physically you're getting exhausted. One of the things that's really important when you're really anxious is to have moments during the day where you're just reducing stimulation. A lot of people are working from home now. so If you're working from home, it means like going into your room and dimming the lights and even getting into bed or sitting in a comfy chair, pulling a blanket up over yourself, putting some music on in your ears, quiet music or nothing, just reduce the stimulation. Sometimes you need that in order to do a reset.
0: We've mentioned mental diet, like what you put into your, your mind and, and not only uh, imagination as a tool for mental health, how you can practice imagination, you can practice the feeling of what you want Mm -hmm. Um, Not only what you want, but the feeling, how it feels and and color in all the details. But last night I had a classic example of this because I am a guy who watches TV before I go to bed. I just do. Last night I was ready to watch this show called The Vow on HBO, which is about um, a kind of self helpy cult type thing, I guess. And I started to put it on and I was like, wait a minute, Ed, what are you doing? What are you putting into your head before you go to bed? You're putting into your head a self-help cult. Is that, what you want? is that what you want to do right now? And I thought about it for a second, and I made a different choice. And I'm trying to remember, it was a Turner Classic movie uh, thing. Ah, Crossing Delancey, I think is what I put on instead. Now, that might not sound like something that's, that's applicable to most people, but I have to tell you, if you think about the stuff you put into your head before you go to bed... Is it helping or hurting? <laughs> is it helping or hurting? Yeah, I'm going to watch Clockwork Orange, then I'm going to go right to sleep. It's not going to help you mentally, spiritually. doesn't mean it's not a great movie. You can watch it another time. But maybe bedtime is not the, bed, the best time for that. I would agree that. I would also
1: say like watching the news as soon as you, you know, like getting on your phone and going through your news feed is not a good idea before you go to sleep. Or when you wake up in the morning, and that's what most people do.
0: What do you do? Just, just tell us, because I know I, I'm sure you don't have that that type of practice. I'm sure you don't watch, uh, you know, uh, Raging Bull before you hit the <laughs> hit the hay.
1: No, I really don't. And and for a while, I've been really picky about. And and I I used to feel bad about it. You know, if there were movies that my husband liked and I don't like, and but I just realized, you know, I don't. If I'm not feeling comfortable, and if it's not resonating with me, I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to watch it. If it leaves me feeling elevated, then I'm a very sensitive person and I, I, I manage my anxiety very well, but it, I know how to do it. And part of it is my mental diet. What do I think about? What do I watch? What do I read? What, what kind of conversations am I having, right? So so at night, my favorite thing is to, I put music on. Like If you go on YouTube and you find uh, like different frequency music, there are different frequencies that actually calm the brain right down and get you into a different brainwave. Um, some is just a frequency, some is beautiful music, and then there's a tone or a frequency behind it. And that's quite lovely. That's very calming. I will definitely sort of, as I'm falling asleep, I'll do an inventory of things that I'm, you know, I really appreciate. And it might be really simple things like my sheets are really soft or the temperature in the room is, is just right. Like my dog is beside me, my husband's not snoring, like whatever it is, I'll file through things that actually feel good. And then the key thing when you're feeling is to let it resonate in your body. Don't just think it like an intellectual thought that you're filing through, feel it. Take a moment to just feel, oh yeah, you know what? The temperature, is, and if the temperature's terrible, think about something else. Get into the practice of focusing on the things that are working, things that are okay, things that feel, and it sounds so ridiculously simple, but we don't do this most of the time. Most of the time we are focusing on what we don't want, what we don't like, and what we don't don't wanna have happen. And that's where most of our mental energy goes. But the midbrain, as we've talked about, cannot tell the difference between something that's really happening something that's going to happen, something you're imagining or a memory. It's all the same. So really be picky, especially at night before you go to sleep. And first thing in the morning is to really set the tone for what that your kind of emotional vibration is. What do you want to be focused on? What do you want to be feeling before you close your eyes and before you open your eyes?
0: It starts with awareness. It starts with an inventory. It starts with checking in with yourself. Perfectly legitimate question. How am I doing right now? How am I feeling? What am I thinking? How am I doing? Can I just give myself a little space for a second? How you talk to yourself internally, and, and we talk about this, the, the practice of imagining, you know, imagining what you want, what you feel like, and what the details are mm-hmm. of where you are in any moment can actually, you, you've said the word tag, it, your brain will tag it. Like mm-hmm. it, it makes it, it, it resonates with the brain and it actually makes a little notation that, oh, that's a little different.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We spend a lot of time worrying and ruminating. And if you literally just took half of that time that you spend ruminating and tried to do the opposite of ruminating, you would change your own neurobiology, you would change your body's chemistry, and you would change what your brain starts paying attention to, and you you'll actually tag different things. And it sounds simple, but it's it's not just as simple as doing it. It's something and we say this every week that it, it's a practice. You have to really Become practice at being who is the thinker of these thoughts and what am I thinking and why? Like start asking questions and then really start thinking about what you want instead of what you don't want. Or even something neutral, just something kind of general and neutral will help. The more you specific you get, the more anxious the brain gets. So if you kind of pan back, that also makes a huge difference. And then breathing, we've talked about that. Really slowing down your breathing, deeply breathing, relaxing your tongue at the bottom of your breath. And this is constant, but we're constantly worrying. So I want people to, to focus on constantly trying to unworry, right? Or at least be neutral.
0: Reverse worry. You mm-hmm. said that before, which I thought was kind of interesting or your reverse engineering your mm-hmm. your worry system. Mine is on uh, is on alert uh, all the time. In fact, when I wake up in the morning, I feel like I've been clenching. I feel like I've been like grinding. I should put coffee beans in my teeth at night because I would have fresh coffee. Um, cause I'm grinding, I am grinding my head off. I don't know why I'm grinding, but it's like, I have to actually spend time unclenching my jaw. I can't really even talk in the morning. So whatever you're, whatever you're going through as a listener right now, you know, take a second and it's okay to take a breath. You know, we, we're very afraid of silence and certainly on a podcast, you don't want to have silence, but it's actually a really positive message to allow people the space to have uh, a second. My mother used to say, I, I wish I had a minute's peace." You can have it. Yeah, I never thought to say that to her as a kid, but I should have.
1: Totally would like that, but
0: yeah. Yeah, probably not. It would have saved a lot of money in therapy. We could have, I, listen, I could have I owned Montana with the money I spent. But that's a story for another time. You know why? Because we have an amazing guest with us. We're very lucky to have this good friend uh, with us. She is an actress, a superb actress, always working, constantly creating. And we're gonna talk to her about her constant creation. Rose Abdu. Rose, I can't thank you enough for being here. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. Have you been with Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet recently? Hello, yes. I was at brunch with Steve
2: and Edie in my my brain before I went to bed. I'm so happy to be here. I just want Jennifer to know your voice is so soothing, number one. And I've been doing the tip that you gave a couple episodes ago of putting my tongue at the back of my, in the roof of my mouth. And it really does help. It does.
1: It does. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm so glad. Thank you
2: so much. I agree with you. It's like I was, I was really terrible at listening to something soothing or looking at soothing pictures before bed. And I love your tip of, of something light, like Crossing Delancey, but mostly, Ed, that just makes me want a pickle.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. The Peter Rieger, the pic, Sam the Pickle Man uh, yeah. was there, and I think it was a Joan Micklin Silver movie. It's a, it, it actually is a very sweet movie. I still yeah. am asking myself to this day, why is he interested in Amy Irving? <laughs> 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 not, not that she's not great, but I think Steven Spielberg something. But anyway, I love that movie. Yeah. It's, it's very sweet, very old world. Listen, there's something that you've been doing that is kind of interesting. You have this thing with crafts that, that you take care of your mental health with crafting and, and tell me how that goes and how you found that. And is that something that you actually consciously use as a, as a way to take care of yourself? I think it is because
2: I noticed I, my mother gave me Sculpy clay. It's a clay that can be baked in a regular oven at 275 for 15 minutes. And she gave it to me years ago, and I was on a diet. I was on a very strict diet, so I thought, let me sculpt what I wish I could be eating. So I made a tiny (laughs) plate, (laughs) because you can't get into too much trouble if the plate's the size of a quarter. But I've always always loved miniatures, and I thought, "How, how tiny can I make a burrito and a taco? So I sculpted it, and I showed it to someone, and then they went nuts over it. And then an artist saw it, and I had... A miniature show. There was a miniature show at a gallery here in Silver Lake, California, and it was called the Mini Juvie Gallery. I think it's since closed. But I sculpted 12 plates of food, so people started saying, "Oh, you're a miniature artist." So it kind of that skill lie dormant for a while, and this pandemic has really brought it out. But I thought it really used to relax me to put on music and make tiny things out of food. So this time around. I've been making tiny animals that are driving, like I saw a squirrel eating a cracker in real life and he was turning the little cracker and it looked like he was turning a steering wheel. So in my head, right before bed, I kept thinking, I would love a squirrel driving a peanut. I just wanted to see a squirrel in a peanut sports car, so I made it. And I posted it on Facebook a couple weeks ago and people were so kind and they responded so nicely to it that the next I sculpted a bunny driving a carrot and then a mouse driving a piece of cheese people are still very responsive. So it's been, it's been a great way for me to unwind, I have to say.
0: So that's pretty interesting that you, you make it small, you go into a very small world, and it is a small world after all, you go into the the miniatures, but you've been, you've done that for, for a long time, but this particular series.
2: Years ago in Spain, and I went to a miniature museum, and this artist could make like, paint the last supper on a pinto bean or you know a bullfight on the head of a pinto. and I remember he two little people on him it's on a like a bug's wing and in in the in the in Spanish it said he he gets into a rhythm and slows his heart he has to consciously breathe and slow his heart rate and I thought I wonder if that's why I started doing it now because you have to slow your breathing when you're handling a, a, a kitty cat's face that's smaller than your baby finger now
0: That is the measure. And I've interviewed a guy, uh, this guy, Frank Portnoy, who wrote a book called Wait, The Art and Science of Managing Delay. And he talked about the positive aspects of delaying, purposefully delaying. He said, well, the next time you you rush to send that email, wait. So he's talking about practicing Uh waiting because it slows your – you want to slow your heart rate down, that that's the measure of health in this world is the ability to do that. So now do you do that for acting too? You're on so many shows and you're in so many films and you're always working. How do you consciously take care of yourself on a set and how do you know that you're, that you're ready?
2: You know, I was thinking about that late because, because there's so much waiting and I'm about to work again next week. And of course it's all different now. And now there's, there's so much COVID training in place that they were talking about how the actors will be encouraged to pod. So you're in, you, well not encouraged, you're required to pod, that you'll be in your own little trailer right up until the time where you're called to set. And I thought, you know, in many ways, I will enjoy working that way more because what I find so difficult about working is just one TV appearance or movie appearance, and I have been very lucky to be on many, many things, thank you for mentioning that, is I wish I wasn't so tired. Like I thought, if I had to go back to university to tell the kids, here's what you should be prepared for, not just learning your lines, but can you act after you've had very little sleep because you're not used to waking up at four o'clock in the morning to be at the set by six, and then you have about a hundred people touching you that you've never met before for everything. And to me, to keep that focus and concentration when you're being touched continually by people That this whole new way of working will be less people touching you and you'll be alone with your thoughts more in your private trailer before you need to go hit the ground running and hit the set. Taking a moment for yourself because some mornings, and some mornings I handle it really well because I'm almost so tired I can't resist it, but some mornings when you hit the set, especially if you're a guest star, you don't know these people. You've never met this person that's intimately touching your face, your hair, attaching your microphone, going under your shirt. The wardrobe people adjusting your collar. It's, you have to put yourself in such a Zen state because you're touched by so many people. And now with these new COVID protocols, there will be so much less touching that I'm kind of anxious to work to see how will that affect my, my acting, my mental state, you know, my performing. And, and I think it's, in some ways it's going to be more relaxing in a weird way.
0: Does this follow over? I was going to ask you about characters and what you learned from playing different kids, because you played so many different characters. And, and I'm going to ask you, to do because I think it's so great. In, in My Best Friend's Wedding, you're in that movie. You've got a scene with Julia Roberts, and you're calling up your mother. Uh, you're yeah. actually <laughs> calling up your mother because, she's, because she was a, a Dominican bridal gown seamstress, right? Yeah. And, Yes. So t- so t- take people through that through that moment and how you decided to do that, because it's, it's so great. And then I'll ask you well, another aud- thing about that.
2: The audition called for a bridal gown seamstress with a foreign accent. And I thought, I can't not get this. That's my mother. So I went to the audition. I met the director, PJ Hogan. And I started doing my, there were no lines in, in the mo- There were no lines in the script. He just. I don't know why she had to have a foreign accent, because she just didn't have anything to say, really. And so I started improvising the things that I heard my mother saying to different brides, like, you have to tighten this spaghetti strap. If you really want a gown with a spaghetti strap, I don't know why, but you have to tighten this because you don't want those hoops to fall out. And I kept improvising things and he said... This is such a real character. I said, well, it's actually based on my own mother. And they really wanted someone a lot older than me for the role. And he said to me in the audition, can we get your mother to play this part? And I said, absolutely not. I'm not competing against my own mother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I told my mother that, you know, honey, you are stopping me from having a career, really. Another (laughs) career. He kept all those improvised lines. Like my mother used to say, come on, you have to pull the boobs up. You don't want to be kicking those two things down the aisle. So I improvised a bunch of lines <laughs> in that. But my mother, I really played my mother a number of times, like the character that I most recognized for. The kids watch the Disney Channel and Senorita Rodriguez, the Spanish teacher, is kind of based on my mother. And Kirby Enthusiasm, the interior decorator, is kind of my mother. So I really have played her a few times because
0: <laughs> she's That's so really funny. funny. That's <laughs> really funny. I mean, of course, you learned, you learned a lot from her. You're very, I've always thought of you as a very resilient Kind of person were there characters that that you've played that that you know character strengths? Do you know your own character strengths? I mean, in your own personal life, because you've you've been through a lot of stuff.
2: Thank you. The one that comes to mind most is I had an audition to play a cancer patient on Parenthood, and I had the audition. This is how my life goes sometimes. I I I had chemotherapy in real life for a, a tumor. And I finished chemotherapy August 1st. And the following year on August 1st, I had the audition to play this cancer patient. And I did have to draw on my strengths of getting through that. And, And in that show, they let us improvise too. And I remember saying, you know, this isn't the dress rehearsal. This is your real life. There's a lot of things about this lockdown that remind me of that year when I was going through cancer treatment, where it's just the days seem endless and you stare at the clock and you look out the window. And there's a lot of things like that. So I... In, in, in a weird way, that cancer journey prepared me for that role, and that role and that cancer journey prepared me for this lockdown. That's really how I feel.
0: Wow And of course you're you're practicing these things because we're all we're all in this in this together, and now you're going to be in it working, or you have been in it working. Yeah. so we take we take that forward too. What are the biggest emotional challenges for you like right now, like what's up for you? in terms of something that you're consciously trying to do to, you know, to take care of yourself, if anything, or let me put it this way. What's the most difficult emotion for you to express either as a character or in your own life?
2: Well, I think that right. What's coming up for me now is trying to replace like, you know, people either drink or they do drugs. I've never been a drinker or a drug taker or like some people are chewing edibles to relax and, and for me, it's like, well, I just want to be crunching on something all day long. So it's like, Ed, if I could buy stock and skinny pop popcorn, I would just be so happy.
0: <laughs> I love the skinny pop.
2: It's just a constant crunch of popcorn. And, and, and eating. So I'm trying to eat. I'm taking a Pilates class with this new uh, instructor that my friend turned me on to, and she's in Chicago, but we're all over the world. She's got clients in you know, Switzerland and Budapest, and her name's Suzanne Pride, she's amazing. She studied like with the real, like Joseph Pilates, like the real masters. And she keeps saying to us, remember to breathe, remember to breathe, and I thought, I am a person, I didn't realize this, I hold my breath so much. And she actually said, 80% of your calories come out through your breathing. And I've never heard, I'm 57 years old. I never heard that before. I thought, oh my gosh, I don't eat as much as other people. I just don't breathe. So I eat and I don't breathe it out. So I've been consciously, I put little stickers all over the house. Breathe, 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 breathe. Reminding myself to breathe because you do, I don't, I think a lot of people might not realize how you hold your, at least I do, hold my breath
0: almost all day long. I'm not breathing. I I can totally, well, that's a, that's a big one. I mean, that's a big one. Yeah. You know, you almost don't realize that you can like, when i do those things and i just take a minute a second for myself uh, there's still a part of me that feels like oh that's not okay or, yeah. or or something's not right about that and and i'm if you're listening and you have that same thing i mean it really is there's something about stopping and actually asking for space and actually taking a little you know give me a minute is i've always been a person who's it's very difficult for me sometimes to say how I feel in the moment. And then what I okay. started started learning was I, I need a minute that that's a, that should be yeah. a bumper sticker for me. I need a minute sometimes. I, I thought,
2: yeah. Well, I feel like I, I have a hard time. Like I think I'm doing this, but am I wasting time doing this? Like finally there's been so many months of me not being required to be anywhere. It was really good for me because, I always felt like doing a little craft or doing anything that was relaxing was like, well, you're just wasting, you're wasting time. Instead of, no, you need that to recharge your creative battery. You need, you need to do little things that even like I was clipping pictures from magazines because I, I I find that very enjoyable and gluing them in a book. And then someone said to me, well, are you going to sell that book? I go, no, I'm just doing it because it relaxes me. And I had to get over the guilt of just doing something because it's
0: fun. I can, Jennifer, can you speak to this? I mean, I'm sure that with the people that you work with through ConnectedParenting.com, do you ever tell people that, that maybe they should get a, a little practice, a little hobby, a little thing that they actually they actually do for their mental health?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's a whole bunch of things I want to address that will help people understand this. So first of all, let's go back to breathing. And and we talked right at the beginning of this episode about how important self-care is. And self-care is different yeah. for people so working on your art doing the miniatures which is fabulous it's the the brain's ability to just focus on something and focus everything else out right so the brain is incredibly busy and if you don't especially creative people if you don't give it something to do it's going to find something to do okay it's not going to be pretty to do it's going to turn on you is what's going to happen that is what happens So, so when you focus on something else whatever that is drawing crafts making something helping someone it doesn't matter what it is if it's something you enjoy it has to be relevant to you and you have to enjoy it and you should feel like you get into the zone when you're doing it and Rose you were describing that like it sounds like you just get in the zone when you're doing that yeah but but I want to come back to breathing too because it's so it sounds so silly right like but honestly most people don't breathe properly because we're so tense so here's what happens when you get panicked or you're Stress levels are elevated. The limbic system is really dumb, okay? The, the frontal lobe is the part of your brain that takes perspective and inhibits and organizes and prioritizes, and that's when you've done all your beautiful self-help and you're reading, all your strategies are there. But the midbrain doesn't care about any of that stuff. It, just, it, it literally is the, the security system of your brain. And if you are even breathing too quickly or you're tensing up your muscles or your jaw is tight, it's going to assume that something is about to leap at you and attack you it's going to send your cortisol levels up your adrenaline levels up it's going to it's going to put you into fight or flight or at least readiness for fight or flight and one of the first things we do is we change our breathing so if you're you know watching a scary movie and there's a jump scare the first thing we do is go <gasps> you take a huge suck in of air so your body gets lots of oxygen so it has enough enough oxygen to run away or fight for um, for 90 seconds And then when you are chased by something, and most of us, thankfully, haven't been chased by something, but our bodies remember what that feels like regardless, in terms of just evolution and and passing that information on. So what happens if you're being chased by something and you're hiding, you're not going to hide like this. Oh, that was a close one. Oh, making noise, right? This thing is going to find you. So you hide like this, and you're literally breathing with the top part of your lungs, like making no sound. That's why you're doing that. Your brain thinks something's still chasing you, so it doesn't want you to make noise. We can go an entire day in this shallow, tight breathing with our chest very tight and our shoulders bunched up and our necks tightened up, and that's changed. At first, that's why we get headaches. That's why people get stomach aches. So just taking a second and reminding yourself, nothing's chasing me. Nothing's actually, there's stuff out there that I'm worried about. There's scary stuff, but there's actually not something in front of me right now that is going to attack right. me, so I don't need to do my shallow breathing. And then just check in with yourself. Take those deep breaths. There's so many benefits to, to breathing properly. It's also really aggravating though, like when you're stressed and someone says, just breathe, you just wanna smack them. It's really annoying. Like you have to be that emotional person in your own head, right? You have to. Yeah.
0: The other thing I would say with, with breathing, and I've said this many times, but it's really true, I have always gotten into this thing where I study with teachers and they say, you know, can you, you know, deepen your breathing. And when I hear that, I think I'm not doing it right. Right. Yeah. And so I try to be perfect with my breathing and I end up sounding like Frank in blue velvet. That's the problem with, I'm Darth Vader at that point.
2: This teacher that I have now is like, thankfully, we turn our microphones off so that she goes, just breathe as loud as you want. And there's something like I was self-conscious if I was in a class with other people. I didn't want to hear them to hear me going, you know, but now when I'm by myself, I, I breathe really loud. And I have to say, it really has helped to not to not think, oh, I'm doing it wrong. Just do it. Just do
0: it. Uh, yeah, new- I would <laughs> say to people that are that are having a, you know, if you're in a class or if you're doing something and you're, you're learning and you're, you are a shallow breather. A guy, I can't remember his name, but he was a really interesting teacher. And the first thing he said was, accept your breathing as it is.
2: uh uh-huh, uh-huh.
0: Accept it as it is. Now we're going to, but we're going to consciously breathe, but accept it as it is. Like if you yeah. have a lifetime of holding your breath in, chances are you're not going to be great at taking deep breaths at the beginning.
1: Right. Sometimes the midbrain works against you. And it's like, what are you doing relaxing? What are you doing calming down? You need to. Right. Be- that's my right mid-brain. midbrain. Jennifer,
2: that's it. I have kind of a, I have a crabby midbrain. My midbrain's always yelling at me.
1: <laughs> so here's the thing. You have a fantastic midbrain. It's just doing too, it's just doing too good a job, right? Like we really have to think of the midbrain as self-preservatory. It loves you. It's just oh, okay. devoted to saving your life all the time. And the, the fact that you're still alive makes your midbrain go, damn, I'm good. I'm going to keep doing Ooh, this. Okay. And Rose is still here because obviously I'm doing a good job, right? But all it, all you if you really need to be the parent of that part of your brain. That, that's the best way to think about it, right? So just
2: oh. it,
1: love it, thank you. I get that you're trying to save me, but you know what? I don't need you right now. I'm good. So when I work with kids, for example, I, I teach them that their their midbrain is like a, like a big, goofy dog, right? If, if kids aren't afraid of dogs. And it's this big, dumb dog that just loves you so much that it just, you know, eventually it just wants to sit on your chest and lick your whole face. And- so when you work with people who have anxiety and you talk about strategies to, to lower or lessen the anxiety, that causes anxiety for people. It's like, what? Right. Like, you can't get rid of me. You need me. So it's literally just training it. I just want you to think about training your midbrain. That's it. it you just want it to do what you, you want to control your emotions instead of your emotions controlling you. And Rose, when you were mentioning that people do edibles and they drink and they do whatever, that's just a temporary solution. Right. Any time you have right. to do anything else, especially a substance, to control your emotions, you're not, you're not solving the problem at all. In fact, you're just, the energy is just building up behind it. So when you're not drunk or you're not high or you're not shopping, you feel 100 times worse than you did before. Right. Right? So this is why it's so important. And, and the message I want people to understand is you can rewire your brain. You can. This, these, all of these strategies, which seem so simple, or when you do them re- on a regular basis, you are re,
2: right.
1: Your brain, you're reprogramming your brain. So let's come back to breathing because Ed, you're right. A lot of people, I don't know if I'm doing it right. Did I hold it long enough? So people who are like that are often in their heads anyway, and then before they, you know, then they're in a self-loathing state because they don't even know how to breathe, and they've gone back to bed. So yes, there, there's no right or wrong. There's learning how to tune in. So the, here's what I want to say about anxiety that I think is so important. It's just energy. That's it. It's just information. We freak out about it, but the truth is it's just information and it's information that our brain is using to try to keep us safe. And what happens with this energy is it builds up. It builds up in your body because your body wants you to be able to run or fight or freeze or whatever you have to do to deal with this impending doom, which isn't even real most of the time. So literally just taking a second, relaxing your shoulder, do the tongue drop. We talked about that earlier in the, in the hour. Mm-hmm. Just be present for a second, slow down your breathing, acknowledge that there's nothing life-threatening in this moment, and then say to yourself, this is just information, it's just energy. So then you gotta, so just like a computer, you gotta read the information. Okay, I'm reading the information, it's not actually life-threatening in this moment. It's really something I can't do anything about right now, so you read the information. Then you let it kind of resonate, and this is the crazy part, and this is what all of us try to avoid, but I promise you this is the secret. Letting yourself feel it. The more you run, yeah. from it, the more it chases you. Get back here. You have to listen to me. If you don't listen to me, you're going to die, right? So literally turn around and face it and feel it and go, okay, this is what it feels like to feel like you're going to fail. This is what it feels like getting a huge fight with your husband. This is what it feels like when you worry that your child isn't doing whatever. Whatever is bothering you, feel it. Let it resonate a little bit in your body just for a moment. Just feel it. Almost digest it like food in a way. Like just let yourself take it in and then release it. And if you can get into that habit, you will start to rewire your brain and you will learn that you can control your feelings instead of your feelings controlling you.
0: We're we're actually creating a relationship by talking to our brain. Mm -hmm. This Mm -hmm. is something that you would think that thousands of years of evolution, you would think that people would know something about their brain because it's in there, right? It's a big part of who we are. But we're not hate. trained. We're not, we're not no. taught. Yeah, we're not like this is, the, all of this stuff that you're saying is all about having a relationship with your brain. And an understanding. Right.
1: Absolutely.
0: Every new piece of
2: knowledge you get, your brain gets a new wrinkle. Yeah. And I was so fascinated by that. It was like if, if you learn something new, there's a new wrinkle in your brain. So I, was, I thought I was so cool in fourth grade. At, to insult someone, I would go. You're such a smooth brain. Like you don't know anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're a smooth brain. That's great. It makes me think. Makes me think about defending your life, right? Defending your life, ripped torn. He says, uh, "You still don't get the big brain bit, do you?" And yeah. I was like, "Oh but I my know- gosh.
2: Yeah. I saw this video. This girl made it, she put her hand in wet sand, and she said, like the thoughts are. She poured water, and the water went into the grooves where the hand was. Just there's a groove of thought patterns in your brain, and and the more water you put in that same little tunnel, it's just going to make it deeper and deeper and deeper. And you have to like smush over the sand to like rewire your your default, you know, your thought thought patterns. I thought
1: these are these are brain firings, right? And they're they're habitual. Your your brain. Right. It thinks if it if it continuously does it, and you wake up in the morning and you're still alive, you're, that part of your brain goes, huh, wonderful. I'm going to do the same thing again today. And you know what? Maybe I'll ratchet it up a little just to make sure because I'm doing such a good job. Why not mm. do a better job? And so what ends up happening is you you get to this place where you don't even question anymore. You're you're so in your head, or you're so you're so used to feeling these feelings, you don't even know it's anxiety. Do you know many people are walking around experiencing anxiety and they have no idea. If you meet someone in your life and they're prickly and they're cranky and they're mm-hmm. bossy, they're anxious. Okay.
2: Right. Right.
1: Anxiety is being this thing where you hide and I'm afraid to go out and I'm scared. Anxiety either goes inward into, you know, being afraid to take risks and your, your world kind of shrinking or it goes outward into trying to boss everyone around and control absolutely. Right. So more and more I see over these, especially now, and especially when I work with kids and families and teenagers and young adults, Anxiety is an epidemic, and people don't even know that's what it is. And, and then yeah. physical sensations, stomach aches and chest pains and headaches, it's all anxiety. I mean, it can be real medical things too, but often it's anxiety and people have no idea. I yeah. This, this
2: pandemic, I had a, I fell, I, I passed out, and they the doctors don't know why, but April 9th, I passed out on my face, and my teeth went through my lower lip.
0: Oh so it has God. been,
2: oh. I had a pump, and I had surgery, I they took out degenerative muscle tissue, so they... It's very painful. Now a lump has grown back. So I'm supposed to squeeze my lower lip between my fingers every, it's like punching yourself in the face. It's incredibly painful. It's been going on since April 9th. But in a weird way, this incredibly painful thing on my face every day that kind of used to, was affecting my talking, it's given me this thing to focus on so that I'm not, I don't have anxiety about like huge things happening in the world. Cause I'm so focused on like, is my lip getting better and I'm massaging it. It really hurts. Like, it's almost like, I'm trying to use it as like, it's a gift almost to have, you know, like if your foot hurts, you almost want your hand to hurt, to take away the pain from your foot. Like it's, it's something to focus on, even though it's horribly painful. I'm just trying to see the, the positive in it. Cause it's yeah, really been annoying. Really-
1: Important thing, anyway, right? To always look. You, you can live life as a victim, or you can live it like a student and say, "Okay, I've got this thing. How am I going right. to? What's it teaching me? How can it make me better and stronger?" But let's so let right. me get into that for a second, because there's something really interesting. Because emotional pain and physical pain are pretty much the same thing. I mean, if you do an MRI, it's really the same. It'll show up the same way in the brain. Pain is also information. That's it. That's all it is. It's your body trying to talk right. to you, you, know, you. Pay attention to this thing and be careful and be sensitive with it. Do the same thing. The same thing I told you to do with anxiety, do it with pain. Ah, this is pain. Register what it is, right? It's information, data. It's just energy. And then go right into the pain. Go right into it. The second we hurt ourselves, we're like, oh, ah, oh. We start pulling ourselves away from the pain, which only makes the pain increase because your body thinks you're not taking it seriously. So turn around, be super brave, go right into that pain in your lip. I know it sounds insane, but well, when you do that so quickly, you will, you'll feel it throb, and then you'll actually feel the body's response. You'll feel the body actually in yeah. the pain cells coming in and calming it down. It, it works with, with physical pain as well.
2: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Some days I can do that, and other days I'm terrible at it. Yeah. Well, that's like all of us, right? We are able to do different things. But
0: just the, fact that you're, just the fact that you're conscious about it and you're asking yourself, what's the relationship here? Like, like okay, I'm going to, my body is talking to me. I'm talking back to my body. You know, all these messages are being sent by the brain and the body all day long, mm-hmm. whether you're in disease or whether you're in pain or whether you're whatever it is. And most people, myself, want to go the other way. We don't want to talk right. back. That's you right. can talk back. We want Just to run, right. run, talk back. Listen, oh, you're telling me something. I've talked about this a lot with uh, our friend Rini Jane from Zen, who always talks about stress and how when you realize that stress is sending you a message and you start relating to it and talking back and saying, you're, you're preparing me for something, right. the stress works differently in your body it actually changes its shape, and it works differently in your body when you talk to it. It feels different. It's interesting, I
1: had a client, this is a couple of weeks ago, who who had a really terrible pain in her shoulder, and she had all kinds of tests, nobody can figure out what it is. And, and I don't, th- th- I'm not telling you that I have a pain healer or anything, but it was a really interesting conversation that we had, because she was trying to deal with pain management, which, which you can do the same way that you manage anxiety, and so I was helping her with that, and I had her kind of just relax and breathe, and see the pain as information and literally it sounds insane, but have a conversation with it. What, what are you telling me? What do you need me to know? Like what do you paint this pain in my, it was kind of her shoulder and her neck. And she took a second. And then she said profoundly what came into her head is I'm taking on too much. I'm doing everything. Uh I'm trying to solve everybody's problems. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be 10 steps ahead of everyone in my family. And I need to just stop doing That, I didn't tell her to do that. She, that's what the pain told her back. So it sounds so crazy, but so many cultures in the world understand this, right? We're so afraid of feeling in our culture, first of all. We've been trained right. from the minute we open our eyes to take some kind of, buy something to feel better, like a drug or a something, or, or seek some other external uh, solution to it. But starting to see pain as information and your body's intelligence is really important and not ignoring it. Turning around and, and having a conversation with your anxiety. I see you. Thank you for trying to save me. I appreciate that you're trying to help me. What do you need me to know? Breathe and calm down. Feel it, read it, resonate with it and release it and get into that habit. And, and the, the other way you kind of do it is you just find the space. I wish I had the words for it, but it, it's basically brain hurt. We've, we've talked about that on the show as well that when the brain so the heart actually has 40,000 brain cells in it brain cells it's very connected to the vagus nerve and so basically the heart and the brain the heart is like a mini brain and the heart wow yeah absolutely and, and this is why every culture on earth understands that you put your hand on your chest when you're feeling something or when you feel love or you feel compassion why because that's where we actually feel it <laughs> but the heart is very very intelligent and so when the heart And the brain line up when they're in agreement with each other. That's when you're in the zone. That's when you feel good. That's when you have energy. That's when you're not so tired. And that intuition is something we are, I'm sure hundreds of years ago, that was something that we talked about and learned and was valued and taught. It's not taught anymore. It's not. We don't even raise our kids to even understand their own intuition. We're so busy telling them what to do and how to avoid their feelings and buying them something and shoving an iPad in their face so they don't get upset. Right. So these are really this sort of bringing us back to some really ancient primal sense of intelligence that our body has and tuning into that instead of running away from it.
0: So hand on the hand on the chest, hand on the head, hand on the heart mm-hmm. hand in the stomach. These are all like places that people hold, you know, that, that, that so much is going on. And you said this last week, I think, Jennifer, and I'm, I, may, I, I say it again because it's so interesting. Culturally, why do people put their hands on their foreheads? Jews do it a lot, Italians, every ethnic culture, everybody.
1: The minute you hear that, what's back going on? So, or you're stressed, or there's something that's shocking, we immediately put our hands on our forehead <gasps> and we take a big breath in. So we do that right. neurovascular points on our palms. So what happens is we're, when we're anxious, the blood literally drains from our midbrain, from our frontal lobe, and it drains down into the midbrain. Right? And it goes into, our, into that part of our brain that needs to respond, react, run, hit somebody, whatever. Right? So it, literally the blood is draining from our frontal lobe, from our prefrontal cortex, the thinking part of our brain. So when you put the palm of your hand on your forehead you're magnetically literally drawing the blood back up to your frontal lobe that's why everyone on earth does this is also why when people are concentrating they'll they'll very typically put their fingertips on their forehead in between their eyes when you're thinking hard that's what you do right the, the body is so intelligent and we don't even think about it right but that that's such a simple thing to do put your hand on your forehead relax your tongue and breathe You can also put your hand on your heart. So you can have your one hand on your forehead, one hand on your heart. Skin to skin is always better. And then drop your tongue and breathe. I'm doing it right now. Isn't it fabulous? Isn't
0: that? I'm doing it too. I like to drop. I always love the the dropping your tongue. It's hard to talk when you're doing it, but you can can do it. These are all things that that you can do in them instantly. And everything has a relationship. Even the fact that you're just aware of it and you're making a choice to do anything. Mm-hmm. in the moment is going to register. It's going to register. But Jennifer, I want to, I want to just ask, is there? I, I love mantras and uh, that's my bumper sticker. So is there a mantra that you can use to get people out of fight or flight?
1: It's interesting because it, it has to be something that resonates for people, right? Because it, because everyone's so different, but then I like to just say, everything's always working out for me. That, just something very simple like that. Or this is this is actually not an emergency. This is this is just a contrast. This is a contour. This is this is a bump. You gotta have bumps, right? So something very simple that just reminds yourself that you're not that it's not an emergency can be really helpful. Just saying, you know, I'm okay, I'm loved. It, even it doesn't even have to be words. If you can't even think about words, just close your eyes, drop your tongue and picture yourself in your favorite place. Just take yourself there for a second, whether it's your favorite chair in your living room or a beach that you love, just close your eyes. You're, the, the midbrain is so primal and so basic. It cannot tell the difference between you imagining something, remembering something, and actually experiencing something. It's all the same thing. So sometimes if you just close your eyes and shut off that sensory information, and Rose, when you were talking about people like in your space and touching you, that, that's all just sensory. Like It's just an overload to the brain. And if right. you're already nervous about going on set and doing a good job and remembering your lines and all the stuff. And then people are poking at you. You it's it's incredibly aggravating and nerve wracking, right? So so even you can always find space when you close your eyes and you just go inside. Yeah. I, there's this I close my eyes
2: and just go I just go back to my my room at home that that's yeah. super organized. Yeah. And I just pretend I'm yeah.
1: Go there. And inside, so we were talking about brain, heart-brain coherence a moment ago, but there's there's this space that you can find in yourself when you close your eyes and you put your hand on your chest. You can do it right now. And just imagine this energy right in the center of your chest, just the center of you. It's like this beautiful central point. And just take yourself there. Like you can just go there all the time, even when you're having a conversation with someone. And then, And then if you are with someone who's annoying or there's too much sensory information or there's a lot of like physical or emotional sensory noise, a very simple thing you can do, put your, put your palms together and cross your legs and then bring your hands up towards your heart and your chest. And just sit like that. So if you're at lunch or something and someone's complaining and their, their energy is just bugging you and you don't know what to do, just, just put your palms together, put your hands in front of your chest, cross your legs. You can drop your chin a little bit on your hands if you want and go into the center. We're bioelectric. We're basically giant batteries. So when you do that, you're closing your own circuit, and you're less likely to be picking up unwanted energy and emotion from other people. Very simple trick. You can do it, you know, if there's outside information that's bugging you, or it'll assist you when you want to go inward just for a few seconds and go on vacation in your own head for a minute and a half. I love it. And we're batteries.
2: I'm an ever-ready, you're a Duracell.
0: <laughs> and we and we are charging ahead with our lives. We are we are charged up. We're all, we're all charged up. Yeah. I like what we've been talking about today. I like it because these are all things that are doable. If you're listening, if you want to send us something, find the podcast, subscribe, wherever you find your podcast is where you can go. But you really go to makelightmedia.com, like the word make and then the word light together. So make makelightmedia.com podcast. You can find us there. You can find us on Spotify. We're, every place, we're, we're on social media, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, mental health comedy. This is a practice. Uh, this is all that it is. It is, a, it is not a topic solely. A lot of people talk about it but to practice it is really going to heal the world. I mean, that's what really is going to heal the world. And if we can throw some comedy in, in that's going to do a lot of good, too, because it's a, it's a wonderful thing to laugh. You can't tell by the sound of my voice right now, but I'm laughing on the inside. I swear to you. And, and Rose, before we go, do you have a movie? Do you have a go-to movie that calms you? And usually these are familiar things. And this is not evaluating the quality of the movie, but it's a familiarity and it's a sensation. It sort of makes you feel calm, makes you feel safe.
2: For whatever reason, the music of Goodfellas, like if I catch Goodfellas, uh, (laughs) it's it's, it's, such a violent movie, but the comfort, like the food cooking music and the the narration and Ray Liotta's voice. I love that. I love that movie. That's what I use to unwind
1: Whatever works, right?
0: That, that is yeah. tremendous. So That's I have tremendous.
1: one, Ed. This is like my all-time favorite movie, like therapy movie that I, I prescribe to people. And the movie's called About Time. It's a British film. Oh. Rachel McAdams in it. And it is my favorite film. I, I, my husband and I will watch it twice a year just to reset. And we'll have clean. And it it's like good crying. Like, and I'll just tell people that nothing bad happens in this movie. It's just, it's just teaches you so much about life and contours and the moment. And it's one of my absolute favorites. About time, it's fantastic.
0: And you know, you know, about I see, I see that, I see it all the time. But I've never chosen it, and I'm gonna choose it tonight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it tonight.
1: I love yeah. that idea. It's free therapy. But, it's amazing.
0: Now, if you want a movie that you can fall asleep to that's really comforting, and this is going to sound very strange. I talk about this all the time with Pete and We talk about movies because I fall asleep to movies sometimes, like late at night. This is the one. It's a frequency, and it's all The President's Men. It is the greatest movie in the world to fall asleep to because it's a human movie where people are talking. And when I was a kid, I lived in a summer house. We were lucky to have a summer cottage, and I would go to bed upstairs, and I'd hear people playing Monopoly downstairs. And it calmed uh, me down. The fact that the, the sound of people connecting
1: mm-hmm. was
0: what it did it to me. But I'm going to look at that. I'm going to listen to Goodfellas to the soundtrack. <laughs> I'm going to watch yeah, probably for me, it's probably All the President's Men uh, and also um, The American President. There's something about these kinds of movies that are great. Phenomenon is a good one. And then any Preston Surgis movie, any turn Turner Classic oh, yeah. movie. Mm. it's just that sound, you know, the courtship of Eddie's father, whatever. These are like, they're just the sound quality and the and the music. Curious George, the television show is a fantastic one. That's Mm -hmm. that xylophone, those vibes, that kind of music really calms you down. This has been a great show. There's a lot in this. And I want everybody to listen to the mental health comedy podcast Find Jennifer Kalari at connectedparenting.com, the word connected and then parenting.com. There is so much media that she has there. There are so many classes. There are so many skills like the ones that she's presented in this show. Really, you'll thank yourself for going to connectedparenting.com. Follow Rose Abdu because she is all over the place. Rose, you have a film with Kristen Wig?
2: Yeah, there's a new, uh, it's a new comedy called um, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, and it's with Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo. And it was supposed to be released this July, but they're saving it till next July. So it's July 2021. But there's a movie, Friendsgiving, that I play Kat Denning's mother, and it's going to be released, I just found out, in October. It's so a very sweet movie called Friendsgiving that I'm, I have a little role in.
0: Friendsgiving. Everywhere you can find Rose Do It. She's amazing, and really, thank you, thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Thank you so much. This is a great conversation. It's so important. There's so many people who are struggling and suffering. It's such a miserable feeling, anxiety, yeah. and any kind of light and help that we can give people, I think, is so needed.
0: Simple things that we can all use. I'm gonna, I'm gonna breathe. Uh, I would say right now, but I don't want to delay. But I'll breathe as soon as I get off. I promise. I want you to keep coming back. It works if you work it. I'm Ed Krasnick for Jennifer Kalari for Rose of Dew, for Dantivo at fasttwitchmedia.com, who's helping us engineer this whole thing. Thank you, Dan. We will see you next week with a brand new edition of Mental Health Comedy. Take care.